Hello and welcome to Deer Tracks. Welcome back to my neck of the woods as we gather again for another episode of the Deer Tracks podcast. My name is James Kibbe, and this week we will be focusing on poetry that has to deal with the invisible realm or invisible world, the, the mind, spirit, and the soul. So a more introspective type of show this week. Uh, but before we get into that, I wanted to uh, remind you that if you've enjoyed the content that you've been hearing from this podcast, please take a moment and leave a five-star rating and positive review wherever you're listening to this podcast. It really does help us out in expanding our audience. And again, it only takes a moment of your time. Also, too, head on over to our blog site, deertrackspodcast.blog. There you can listen to the episodes. You can also find some interesting and fun articles that were written by me or by others that we've had on the show or uh, other people that have contributed. Uh, Recently, we got two short stories from the authors that we featured in last week's episode. So if you enjoyed last week's episode and the stories we shared there, well, there's two more stories up on our blog site. And again, the address is deertrackspodcast.blog. Also, I wanted to remind you that if you have a creative work that you would like to hear on a future episode of the Deer Tracks podcast, or you would like to have up on our blog site, you can send that to me at james at deertrackspodcast.blog. So I look forward to seeing your work. And again, the address is james at deertrackspodcast.blog. And now on to this week's show. So as I go into each week and preparing for a new episode, sometimes I have a theme that in mind and I find poems that sort of fit that theme. Other times I just pick out poems that I think are, are, are nice. I think that folks would enjoy and uh, don't necessarily have a particular theme in mind. But as I'm going through the poems and everything, I, I start to notice a a theme, sort of like an underlying theme where something's just kind of standing out to me. And this week in particular is, is one of those moments. Uh, I just pulled out these poems because I thought, oh, this would be nice to read. And as I'm going through and I'm uh, preparing myself for recording them and, and everything, I, I noticed this underlying theme of this invisible realm that, that is at work um, in us and, and around us that sometimes we don't necessarily see, but we see its effects. And so that's kind of where this first poem sort of comes in by Ralph Waldo Emerson. And Emerson is an American poet. Uh, he certainly uh, had an influence on many other great American poets. And his poems are very descriptive. Uh, there's a, a very wonderful imagery as he just focuses on a moment and in a situation that's going on. And so this poem of his that I'm going to share with you is just kind of like that. It's it's titled The Snowstorm. 
And if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, if you're listening to this, you're going through winter right now. And so snowstorms uh, in January are quite common to see. But it's interesting the perspective that Ralph Waldo Emerson has on this particular snowstorm that he, whether he's thinking about or he's observing uh, as he's writing this. And it's interesting because in a way it's, so you have this storm and it's, and it's blowing snow everywhere and um, everything's kind of quiet and, and, and still and the, and the storm's basically just having its day. But then it's interesting how after it's done, just the landscape and how beautiful um, a landscape is after it snows. I mean, I think about like the first snowfall and I'm driving through and the trees uh, and the houses and just how much uh, more enjoyable the landscape is than say a winter landscape without snow and it's just barren trees and, and dead grass or whatever the deal is or dormant grass. And so it's interesting in, in a way that you see this effect that there's sort of like this unseen or invisible um, thing at work in the snowstorm and it looks chaotic and everything like that but then when it's done it's all said and done and the sun rises and we look out on the winter landscape and yet there's this beauty and there's this um, wonder uh, in in what we see and just how uh, everything is very almost picturesque and so it, that's kind of the feel for this poem. And again, it's titled The Snowstorm, and it's by Ralph Waldo Emerson. Announced by all the trumpets of the sky, arrives the snow and driving, or the field seems nowhere to alight. The whited air hides hills and woods, the river and the heaven, and veils the farmhouse at the garden's end. The sled and traveler stopped, the courier's feet delayed, all friends shut out, the housemaids sit around the radiant fireplace enclosed in a tumultuous privacy of storm. Come see the north wind's masonry, out of an unseen quarry evermore, furnished with tile, the fierce artificer curves his white bastions with projected roof round every windward stake or tree or door, speeding the myriad-handed his wild work, so fanciful, so savage, naught cares he for number or proportion. Mockingly, on coop or kernel, he hangs parian wreaths, a swan-like form invests the hidden thorn, fills up the farmer's lane from wall to wall, maugre the farmer's size, and at the gate a tapering turret overtops the work. And when his hours are numbered in the world and all his own retiring as he were not, leaves when the sun appears, astonished art to mimic in slow structures, stone by stone, built in an age the mad wind's night work, the frolic architecture of the snow. So again, that was The Snowstorm by Ralph Waldo Emerson. Now, this next poem is by a poet who was a big admirer of Emerson's work, and that is Walt Whitman. Walt Whitman, of course, is known as probably one of the greatest American poets and certainly had not just a national reputation, but a global reputation for his work in his Leaves of Grass, which, of course, is the pinnacle of his work, uh, has many editions. Uh, it is definitely the most uh, known uh, with uh, the song of myself, of course, being probably one of the most known poems within that uh, outside of Oh Captain, My Captain, I believe 
was in a later edition of Leaves of Grass. But anyway, I'm actually reading right now the 1855 edition, which I believe is the first edition of Leaves of Grass that was published by Whitman. Uh, Really great read. Um, One of the wonderful things about Walt's writing is that he wants to experience life. And he wants to experience not just life through uh, his own life, but through the lives of so many others. That he wants to, as the poet, he wants to be able to embody experience, human experience. And he does just such a wonderful job of, of, of imagery and language. And, and you can just see that, that desire. And so um, I encourage you, if you've never read Leaves of Grass, it's uh, worth picking up and, and reading for sure. This poem of his that I'm going to share with you for this episode is titled A Noiseless Patient Spider. It's a shorter poem, but what I like about uh, this poem is that Walt is taking a moment in time. He, he's watching this spider, um, or he's thinking about a spider. Um, maybe he's observing it, maybe he's not, but still, it's just taking this moment in time of the spider that's sitting on a ledge or, or promontory and watching as it just sends out the filament as it's starting to build its web and then taking that experience and going inward with it and expanding it. So not expanding it outward into the uh, material world, but going into the uh, invisible world of the soul and expanding what he's seeing to associate with his soul and what his soul is doing. That as he's going through and he's desiring to have these experiences, he's desiring to understand, he's going through, he's seeking something. And in seeking something, it's like this spider that's sending out this filament, hoping that at some point something solid would be caught, that it would catch something solid. And so I I really think that in many respects, that is our journey. You know, we're going through uh, our inner journey, especially we're going through and we're seeking something solid to to latch on to. And so we're we're going through these experiences. And our hope is that at some point, all of our musing, venturing, throwing, uh, seeking would land us on something solid. And so that's kind of what at least I'm pulling out of Whitman's work. Obviously, poems, uh, the wonderful thing about them is that uh, it's in some cases, they're like icebergs, to use sort of like a cliche metaphor. But, you know, there's there's something at the surface, but there's just something more uh, deeper, deeper below the surface. And so, um, you know, you can spend some time with a poem and you think you understand it and then come back to it a year later six months later sit down with it again and draw something new out of it that's just the wonderful thing about poetry anyway here is walt whitman's poem a noiseless patient spider a noiseless patient spider i marked where on a little promontory it stood isolated marked how to explore the vacant vast surrounding it launched forth filament 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 out of itself ever unreeling them, ever tirelessly speeding them. And you, O my soul, where you stand, surrounded, detached in measureless oceans of space, ceaselessly musing, venturing, throwing, seeking the spheres to connect them, till the bridge you will need be formed, till the ductile anchor hold, 
till the gossamer thread you fling catch somewhere, O my soul. That was A Noiseless Patient Spider by Walt Whitman. This next poem that I have for you is titled Difference. It's by Stephen Vincent Beignet. He was a 20th century American poet. And one of the things I really like about this poem is just how he contrasts the mind of the poet from the mind of the listener. And I think you'll enjoy it too. In one sense, he's explaining the mind of the poet or his mind in this case, as being more savage, of, of, of more untamed and, and somewhat adventurous, uh, whereas he's describing the mind of the listener as being much more um, pleasant and beautiful and certainly much more peaceful. So you have those two things there. And uh, I also like, though, that he says that the mind of the listener, that uh, like the single voice that raises up the dead to shake the pride of angels, so it's that um, rational mind, that, that ability to, to, to understand um, and how through understanding there's sort of like this beauty that comes, that comes forth. When we can comprehend and we can understand uh, beauty in that moment, uh, especially um, draw out uh, some of those uh, more beautiful and, and meaningful elements uh, from a poem. So that's kind of my take on it. Uh, maybe you have a different one. And if you do, uh, please forward it over to me at james at deertrackspodcast.blog. I would uh, love to hear it, certainly. So anyway, here is Stephen Vincent Beignet's poem titled Difference. My mind's a map, a mad sea captain drew it, under a flowing moon until he knew it, winds with brass trumpets puffy-cheeked as jugs, and states bright pattern like Arabian rugs. Here there be tigers, here we bury Jim, here is the strait where eyeless fishes swim. About their buried idol drowned so cold, he weeps away his eyes in salt and gold. A country like the dark side of the moon, a cider apple country harsh and boon, a country savage as a chestnut rind, a land of hungry sorcerers. Your mind? Your mind is water through an April night, a cherry branch plume feathery with its white, a lavender as fragrant as your words, a room where peace and honor talk like birds, Sewing bright coins upon the tragic cloth Of heavy fate and mockery like a moth Flutters and beats about those lovely things You are the soul enchanted with its wings The single voice that raises up the dead To shake the pride of angels, I have said So again, the title of that poem is Difference by Stephen Vincent Beignet. This last poem that I'm going to share with you is by George Herbert. If you remember from season one, I did share a poem of Herbert's titled Love Too. And if you haven't heard that, you can always go back and listen to the first season. 
Uh, it's a wonderful sonnet that he wrote. Uh, but this week, I'm sharing a poem he wrote titled The Pearl. And The Pearl is based on Matthew chapter 13. And if you were to turn in a Bible to Matthew chapter 13, you'll notice that there is a collection of parables in that chapter. Uh, some of the more notable parables uh, that you might be familiar with, maybe if you went to Sunday school or if you attend church, as well as some maybe smaller parables that uh, don't have many lines, uh, but certainly carry uh, significance in terms of meaning. Now, given that the title is The Pearl, one of my assumptions as far as what parable maybe uh, inspired this poem is this one here where Jesus says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. So outside of the title being the pearl, uh, my other reasoning for that is that as we go through the poem, it, it does seem kind of like that, like that he's that merchant and he's in search of fine pearls. And going through all the different ways of life and all the, the various uh, things that, uh, that are, are there and available to somebody. And yet he ends with, yet I love thee, yet I love thee. As if there's this one pearl, this one pearl that is better than any of these other pearls that he's looking for. And then towards the end of the poem here, kind of like the last couple of lines here, we hear, yet through the labyrinths, not my groveling wit, but thy silk twist let down from heaven to me did both conduct and teach me how by it to climb to thee. And what I found really interesting as I read that was silk twist. And that reminded me of the poem we heard a little bit ago, uh, A Noiseless Patient Spider, and how Whitman was talking about this spider and, and sending the filament out, and sending the filament out uh, to, to catch on to something solid, to catch on to, to something that would hold his soul. And how interesting that we are like that. We're looking for something solid that, that can be the anchor for, for our soul. And here, George Herbert's reminding us that, that it's Jesus, that he found that anchor. And so all of these other things, all of these other pearls, they just don't compare to this one pearl, that he found that one pearl. And he found that silk twist, that his filament that went out, that it caught onto something solid, the solid rock that Jesus, and how that um, has been the anchor for his soul and for his life. And he is willing to forsake all others so that he may gain Christ. And so my encouragement to you, if you feel like Whitman's poem, that you're just sending filament out, filament out, filament out, and trying to grab onto something solid, trying to find that anchor for your soul. May I suggest that you take a moment and you open up the scriptures, you open up the Gospels, and you spend some time with Jesus. You know, I understand uh, maybe you've had bad experiences with churches and, and that, and, and I get that. A lot of people are like that. But let's put that aside. Just put that aside. And just take a moment 
and send that filament out. Send that prayer, like a prayer, to Jesus. And invite him into that time. And find the rock. Find the anchor for your soul. That sure anchor. That solid, solid anchor for your soul. Here is George Herbert's poem, The Pearl. I know the ways of learning both the head and pipes that feed the press and make it run. What reason hath from nature borrowed or of itself like a good huswife spun in laws and policy what the stars conspire, what willing nature speaks, what forced by fire, both the old discoveries and the newfound seas, the stock and surplus cause in history. All these stand open or I have the keys, yet I love thee. I know the ways of honor, what maintains the quick returns of courtesy and wit, in vise of favors whether party gains, when glory swells the heart and moldeth it, to all expressions both of hand and eye, which on the world a true love knot may tie, and bear the bundle wheresoe'er it goes, how many drams of spirit there must be, to sell my life unto my friends or foes, yet I love thee. I know the ways of pleasure, the sweet strains, the lullings and the relishes of it, the propositions of hot blood and brains, what mirth and music mean, what love and wit, have done these twenty hundred years and more. I know the projects of unbridled store. My stuff is flesh, not brass, my senses live, and grumble off that they have more in me than he that curbs them, being but one to five. Yet I love thee. I know all these and have them in my hand, therefore not sealed but with open eyes. I fly to thee and fully understand both the mainsail and the commodities, and at what rate and price I have thy love, with all the circumstances that may move, yet through the labyrinths not my groveling wit, but thy silk twist let down from hev to me, did both conduct and teach me how by it to climb to thee. So the title of that last poem again is The Pearl by George Herbert. I want to thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Deer Tracks podcast. Please be sure to tune in next week as we will have Thomas H. Ike with us to discuss his novel, One Ounce of Fear. I'm really looking forward to that conversation. And again, that's going to be next week's episode. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date with the latest episodes. And if you have a moment, please leave a five-star rating and positive review wherever you're listening to this podcast. It really helps us to expand our audience. And again, it only takes a moment of your time. And don't forget to check out our blog site, deertrackspodcast.blog, where you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also read uh, some really fun and interesting articles, as well as two short stories that were contributed by the authors that we featured in last week's episode. So again, the address is deertrackspodcast.blog. And if you have a creative work uh, that you would like to hear on a future episode or would like to see on our blog site, uh, you can send that to me at james at deertrackspodcast.blog. Well, until our paths cross again, this is James Kibbe saying, take care. See you soon on the Deer Tracks podcast. <laughs>